you know, by the time you wake up and go, my life has passed me by, you think the ship has sailed. But what we don't realize is that the universe is always, always working in our favor. Always, even when we think it's not. It is always answering the call that comes from deep inside us. Welcome to the Level Up with KDB podcast and the first interview in the manifestation series. Oh, it's a goodie. Today, you're going to get a glimpse inside the life of Siam Benz. Siam is no stranger to tough situations. Born in Cape Town during the apartheid regime, she was relegated to sit in the back of the bus, go to coloreds-only schools and beaches whilst living in coloured-only neighbourhoods. She dreamed of a different life, especially for girls. In today's episode, you're going to hear how host creator and co-producer of The Naked Word, Siam Benz, truly understands what it means to conquer your circumstances and dive deep into her manifestation process. Siam moved to Australia in 2004 with her family in pursuit of a better life. As fate would have it, there were several trials she needed to endure along the way. Challenge after challenge, Siam stood tall, never once buckling under the scrutiny or weight of that journey. Having faced more by the age of 37 than most will ever face in their entire life, Siam made the decision in 2019 to take a leap of faith and pursue her dream to become a talk show host. To create a show for every woman where conversation could lead to healing. The Naked Word is that conversation. Today, we cover a lot of ground and there are so many gold nuggets and incredible insights that I know will support you on your own journey. So without further ado, sit back, relax and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Level Up with Katie B podcast. I am totally thrilled to have you here. Uh, I've never met you before. I got your email and I was like, ooh, a talk show host wants to share her story about manifestation. Yes, yes, yes. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. This is so super exciting. Uh, I'm normally the one asking the questions, so I'm looking forward to answering them. Yes. Oh, it's so good. You can relax and just share your (laughs) incredible story because from what I have seen of your story, it is amazing. Um, Thank you. So, yes. All right. So can you just share, because the the thing that you wanted wanted to share about, the, the manifestation that has been almost a lifelong journey for you, was your talk show. Yes. Can a you? talk show. Yeah. Australian I mean, talk show. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Because you're from Africa originally, hey? I am. I am. I was born in the 80s in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. So I'm really proud of that. And I was born in the middle of the apartheid era. Mm. So when I was born, I was definitely classed as a second class citizen. But in the 80s, it was sort of that tail end of apartheid. So the resistance was strong, lots of protests, um, you know, a lot of pushback on what was happening. And um, I have a father who was a freedom fighter as part of that resistance, just to give you some background. And my mother was more um, scholastic. So she was super academically inclined and was really wanting to be educated But because of the time that we lived in, she wasn't afforded the opportunity to go to university. She wasn't allowed because Mm -hmm. she was coloured. She was what was considered to be coloured. So 
she was very aware of sort of the limitations um, that we were all living in. My my dad was on the run for a couple of years, uh, <laughs> being chased by the government, and along I came. So I'm born in the center of that to two highly intelligent activist uh, parents who really gave me the conditioning that I have now. Like they are the reason that I was able to create the show. It was what they. Okay. So this is super interesting to me because I work with uh, women and, and human design. And when you unpack people's human design, a lot of what we do is actually deconditioning, reconditioning. And so often when I talk about conditioning, it's, I, and I'm very wary of this, it's in the framework of negative conditioning, but so much of our conditioning is actually really fucking beneficial. And even when it's negative, it's mm, positive. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. There's always like gold nuggets that can come from it. And, and that whole journey is part of, you know, how we become you know what we came here to become anyway yes having that whole oh I love okay so I just want to hear more about your story so you were I mean those formative years I mean yeah were spent in probably quite a lot of turmoil and it's insane it's it's hard to describe like when you're living in it it feels so normal you don't know another way of being so um you know we lived in colored only areas and I went to a coloreds only school and we went to coloreds only beaches as a family that sort of thing and you don't you look around and you go oh everybody looks like me this is normal Mm. it's not even a thought that you have Mm -hmm. and then in 1994 apartheid ended Nelson Mandela was released from Robben Island where he was imprisoned for 27 years and South Africa had its first democratic election And it was the first time that black and colored people were allowed to vote. And, of course, my parents stood in that line to vote for, like, six hours. Uh, You know, the lines were enormous. And the second that those votes were tallied and the power in the country shifted, something changed. Mm -hmm. Something changed. All of a sudden, my parents realized that with that shift in power to people of color now being able to make decisions that the dynamic um, that they'd expected to be there was different. There was, I'll never, I'll never forget, you know, they came back from voting and I was young by that stage. I was like nine years old. And I, I remember the conversation they were having at the house after, although it was exciting and, and the energy was exuberant the chatter in the queues and in the line at the voting stations by the people of colour was that, right, now it's our turn. Now we're going to take control. Now we're going to. And there was a bit of an aggression to it that my parents just intuitively felt. Mm -hmm. And, And although they didn't use those words, that was the feeling that I got when I heard the conversation. And it was at that point that they decided that, you know, Things weren't going to go the way that they had hoped it would go. And they made the choice to look into immigrating and leaving the country. Wow. And I'm glad that they did. Um, South Africa's a beautiful, dynamic place to live, but it's no secret. Like you just have to, to Google what's happening there at the moment. And it's gone completely the opposite way. The apartheid's reversed, unfortunately. Mm. 
Um, it just is what it is. So they decided to emigrate and come to Australia. Mm, amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's almost not surprising the way it like flipped. Hey? That's what happens when people get angry. That's what yep. like repression and aggression oh. at, you know, at, it's not surprising. It's really fucking sad that I think humanity in general, we do have this seemingly uh, we need to like slingshot. We seem to like just slingshot from thing. The, the medium, the happy medium is yeah. like we're always on a quest to find it. And I do think slowly we're finding that rather than just slingshotting from extreme to extreme. But yeah. I, more people are waking up to the idea that perhaps um, we need balance. Mm-hmm. In, in all areas, all aspects of life, you can go from being a binge eater to starving yourself. That's like one end of the pendulum to the other. Mm-hmm. There's a middle ground. Yeah. To, yeah. to walk, you know, and my hope is that South Africa obviously comes back and finds that middle ground. But at the moment, they've swung the pendulum yeah. the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And and it's just reversed apartheid. That's my opinion Yeah, on that. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. And so you were nine when you moved to Australia. I was nine when the elections happened, but we, so the immigration process um, is is so long. Like when you actually immigrate, there is a huge, there was a huge process to go through. There still is, and it still is complicated. But back then, the process itself took like three years. Once you put your application in, it was a three-year waiting process. So by the time my parents had sort of made up their mind and, you know, where are we going to move to and what does that look like? And they put the application in and pay all the money. And do all the medicals and the exams. By the time we left, I was 18. Holy. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was not expecting that. I thought you were going to say like 12 months later. Holy no. shit. That's crazy. Like, okay. Finished high school, bang on a plane mm-hmm. and straight to Perth. Okay. Amazing. All right. So I want to know what happened in those years between like the sort of the start of the process of your parents deciding to come mm. to Aussie, because that was, you, you mentioned that that was kind of when you first had that thought, like, I want to have my talk show, but you were like, yeah. it, it sounds like you almost like, I don't even really know where this has come from, but I know that's what I want to do. Yeah. So what, what was it? Yeah. Can you tell me more about oh, that? It gives me chills. Um, so uh, when the election happened in 1994 and all the rules changed, my parents took me out of the coloreds only uh, school that I was in. Okay. And That's huge. Put, yes, and put me into a school that was in a whites only area that was reserved for white children only. And so I was part of a handful of colored and black children who was going to the school. And, you know, be, being in a school that was more affluent, there were more opportunities much more opportunities for you to explore, you know, who you were. And uh, it was my first year at the school and the teacher had, you know, spoken to the class and said, look, there's an Eisteddfod coming up. And I didn't even know what an Eisteddfod was. I came from a coloured school. We, you know, we don't have those things. And uh, she goes, I'm looking for any volunteers. Anybody want to perform at the Eisteddfod? And so I'm sitting there, my little nine-year-old self, um, and I'm like, I don't know what that is, so I'm just going to avoid eye contact. <laughs> And and she says my name. And she goes, Siam, you could do it. And I was like, okay. Yep. No clue what it was. So I learned about it. Turns out it's sort of like in a creative performance um, event. And uh, children come, they perform, 
dancing, singing, poetry, monologues, anything creative to an audience made up of their friends and family. So the teacher gives me this poem, and the poem is about um, overcoming adversity. And it's written in Afrikaans, which was my, at the time it was my second language, but my family speaks Afrikaans as a first language. So it wasn't too hard for me to learn. So I memorized this poem and I become obsessed with just memorizing the poem because I don't want to forget the words. If I'm going to be standing in front of people, my, my main aim is I don't want to embarrass myself <laughs> and forget the words. So it gets to the day of the Ice Deadfoot. My dad takes me and uh, we get backstage. My dad sort of, you know, unceremoniously shoves me backstage and goes, right, just go where they tell you to go. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Scared shitless. But still no idea, like, what, what I'm actually, you know, going to do. And I realize I'm the youngest one there. So now I'm even more nervous than I was before. Eventually somebody cues me and says, you know, stand here, you're up next. So I'm standing there, I'm watching the person before me perform, and they, they're fantastic. And I'm like, okay, just don't forget the words. And I'm reciting the words in my brain. Just don't forget the words. That was my focus. So that person comes off the stage and it's my turn. And I remember this. I remember this. I walked out onto the stage and they had me stand in a corner. I just remember it being sort of in the corner of the stage. And I could see everybody in the crowd and the nerves hit me. And then the lights of the audience goes down. And the spotlight hits me. So if you've ever been in that position, the second the spotlight hits you, you can't see anybody in front of you. So all of a sudden there was no one there. So I was like, okay, it's time to deliver my poem. And I start to speak this poem, which was a little bit lengthy. And with every passing phrase and every passing sentence, I began to deliver it with more conviction and more energy and more oomph. And it just kept coming out of me. And I don't know where that energy came from. But by the time I got to that final paragraph, that final sentence, and I said the final phrase, I was almost yelling it. Like that was the amount of passion that I was giving. And I remember as soon as I said that, that last line and it flew out of me, my eyes were shut. I was just aware that my eyes were shut and I opened my eyes. So I'm, so I'm back in the room and I still see black and the room is silent. The auditorium is silent. You could hear a pin drop. I wondered if they were there, if anybody was there. The next thing I know, the lights go up over the audience and the applause for a little nine-year-old was deafening, deafening, deafening applause. And it caught me off guard. And then the next thing I know, they were all standing up in their seat and they were still applauding and they were cheering and they were whistling. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And it was in that moment when I was looking at their faces and I was seeing like some women had tears in their eyes. They were like wiping their tears away. I didn't have a concept of the words that I was speaking, you know, as, as a little kid. But when I saw the audience moved to emotion by the words that I spoke, something inside me just knew, just knew, cannot explain it to this day, except that it was an act of God. 
Something in me just knew this is what I want to do. I want to move people with my words. Mm. And I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know when I'm going to do it. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I know one thing. I have, I've stumbled on something. I've hit something here that gave me a feeling in here, Mm -hmm. in my heart. And I just knew this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. I ended up winning the Ice Deadfoot. I was the youngest one there. I ended up winning and having to do an encore of the same performance. But that experience changed the course of my life. Oh, my goodness. Do you remember what you felt while you were speaking? I'm really intrigued. Like, did you, when you were speaking, did you feel it in your body or were you like kind of in your flow state? Like, how do you, do you recall? I have reflected on this over the last, specifically, you know, the last three to four years on that moment and how it brought me to this moment. Mm -hmm. I can only describe it as Like I felt so supported, but I didn't know that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Now when I tap into that feeling and I go back there, I was so supported and it felt like I was supported um, almost ancestrally. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Like it came from beyond me. Mm -hmm. Where did that energy come from? Where did that, that gusto come from? I didn't even know I was capable of that of speaking like that, of delivering like that. That's not how I rehearsed it. I just rehearsed memorizing the words. But when it came out, it came from a place so far beyond me, beyond my nine years, that I can only put it down to the fact that my ancestors were there with me to deliver it. It's so interesting as well because, you know, obviously you're, I mean, from my perspective, it seems like part of your purpose is to share stories, whether it's your story or other people's stories, connect yeah. connect with humans, have humans be connected through yeah. storytelling. Yes. But that whole idea of, you know, there are so many different ways to do that. You know, there's podcasting, yeah. probably not when you were nine, there wasn't podcasting, but, you know, there's <laughs> news reading, there's writing books, there's poetry, and yet being on stage, being in that spotlight, that was really what unlocked it by the sounds of it. And that's very specific. That's very specific to being a talk show host as well, right? So that to me is like crazy because that whole opportunity that where you got called out, you got like singled out of the crowd, you're doing this and you're like, fuck, I've got no idea what I'm doing, but yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then, and then to have that whole process unfold in the way it did to me is like, you know, as you say, God, divine intervention, universe source, like guiding you in the right direction. And yes. what I love as well is that, you know, afterwards uh, you, you have that memory of your heart being so full when people yes. are standing. And I believe so much in body wisdom and you described it like I I can't intellectualize like uh, yes I, you can't really explain why it felt so perfect but you felt yeah. it in your body and that body yeah. wisdom is something that I just dream of all of us tuning into in a whole new level like yeah. moving forward like now and forever like let's listen to our body wisdom and let us guide let that guide us let that guide our manifestation process love and that- love love you asked me if I'd ever done my human design chart and um, I did many years ago and all I remember of it is that I'm manifesting generator Mm -hmm. and that 
um, like my, my wisdom comes from my body. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean, honestly, from a human design perspective, all of us have got a lot of body wisdom and human design kind of helps you pinpoint how to access more yeah. of that body wisdom, your yeah. unique body wisdom. And as a manifesting generator, uh, there is a lot of connection to your gut response. Like your sacral energy is really vital part of your body wisdom. Having said that, I am a sacral generator and uh, I've shared the story a few times because I think it's a lot of people I've told it's made a lot of sense to a lot of generators and mangens. My heart and my sacral are always singing the same song. So before I knew about my human design, I used to follow the call of my heart. Like that was the first thing I was like, okay, so this is exciting me. This is like pulling me forward. And then I realized, oh, there's a really close link between my gut response, my sacral response and what my heart is telling me. So that's been a really interesting process. And the way you wow. describe that is um, pretty similar as well. So, yeah. yes. Mm. So what happened then? What happened after you had that moment? Because that's still very young, right? Like I can imagine yeah. you probably didn't know too much about manifestation at that point. You probably didn't even really think no. too much about your future. I don't know. Maybe you did. I'm not sure. No, no. The the family that I come from, um, you know, obviously growing up in an oppressive um, environment conditions the mind. So even even now, same applies. Um, you know, people of color in South Africa, they have a conditioning around what they're capable of and that sort of stuff. And I was no different at nine years old. I had very low sort of expectations for what I could achieve or what I was capable of achieving. Like I knew I was smart, but there was a part of me that didn't believe that I could have like a like a dream house or like a dream life and so the consequence of that you know when you're a kid is well for me anyway I'd begun to create a fantasy world I guess in my mind where I could be anybody that I wanted to be I could do anything that I wanted to do and there was no one that could stop me and there was nothing that could stand in my way not my skin color not the economics um, not the, the awful kids in the school, nobody could stop me from being a performer and moving people mm -hmm. with whatever I had that they needed. So I began to create this fantasy world in my mind. And I kept that like all through school. I'd spend hours, you know, reading and then fantasizing that I was part of the book or part of the play or part of whatever I was watching or doing. Or, or seeing, because it wasn't my life uh, that I was living. But I don't know, I just, I found such comfort in the idea that maybe I could one day have that experience or, or do what that girl's doing or do, you know, mm -hmm. do what that movie showed, have the Prince Charming at the end of the movie. I got comfort from imagining that I could have that. Now, when I look back, that was the beginning of my manifestation journey. Mm. I didn't know it. I just didn't know it. You have to be able to imagine that you can have that thing, that you are deserving of that thing, that that thing will belong to you one day. And it was only as I got older and became aware of manifestation, I was like, I'm already doing this shit. 
Yes. <laughs> I was the same, actually. I think like my manifestation process is like I didn't even have any idea that I was doing it until, you know, it became sort of more yeah. mainstream. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I've been a badass manifester since way back. <laughs> <laughs> I always try to understand manifestation from both a spiritual quantum and yeah. and like a more scientifically grounded perspective and yeah. when I you know just that idea of going to your inner world and imagining yes. all the things that you you want that creating your own life for you in your inner world yeah. it's it's actually there's a part of your unconscious mind that then seeks validation to prove that you can do that, right? So yeah. when you're constantly telling yourself these stories, it might just feel like escapism, but yeah. actually you are subtly making changes to your neural pathways that are yeah. uh, showing, like looking, help you look. Your unconscious mind will start filtering your external environment Absolutely. to prove that Absolutely. you are able to. Ah. Oh. Love yeah, like, <laughs> like society will look at a little kid with an active imagination and label them. Mm. That is escapism. You know, they're in their own little world with their imaginary friends. Okay, sure. But in my case, I began to, a part of me began to believe that actually just because my family doesn't have it doesn't mean I can't have it. And so I began to separate myself from the conditioning unconsciously and always felt a little bit different to the family always like even though mum and dad you really want me to study and become a professional I'll do that but there was a part of me that knew that that was not where I was meant to be so when we came to Australia you know I did exactly what mum and dad wanted at 18 years old I went to uni and uh, did a diploma in business and then went on to I uh, moved over to Murdoch and you know started studying there and I just thought this is going to be my life so, so I did everything that was expected of me on the outside, you know, from mom and dad, but on the inside, I never lost that feeling of like, you, you know, I describe it sometimes to other people when I talk about the fact that I spent 10 years in corporate finance, Oh wow! walking, in, walking into an office, sitting down in my little cubicle with my cheese sandwich at lunchtime, having little office chat and stopping in, stopping in the kitchen. For, you know, making coffee with my coworkers and, you know, just living that life. Every day I did that, it felt like my spirit was dying. It felt like my spirit was dying. But by the time I woke up to it, Katie, I had so much responsibility. I had kids. I had a mortgage. I had insurances and loans and credit cards. And <laughs> by the time I'd actually woken up to the fact that I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this office and sit in this cubicle. My spirit is too big for you people. I've had all of this responsibility on me and thought, you know, how am I going to get out of this? I was in my 30s and just was like, I have wasted the last 10 years. Not a waste because I got a lot of lessons out of it. I know that now. But at the time, it just felt like everybody else can chase their dreams. It's okay. Mm. Everybody else can do it. I can't do it. That's how yeah. it felt. It's really sad that this often happens, especially uh, I think a lot of immigrants go through this because their parents yeah. bring them over with all these hopes and dreams of yeah. having a life so different to theirs. And really what they want, I think, is for you to have freedom. Yes. But, but there's like 
attachments or conditions to those freedoms. There's an idea in their mind about what freedom is. And and I don't blame any of them at all. Mm -hmm. Like I have an idea in my mind of what freedom is. Totally. It could be completely different to my children's. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I get like, I've had this conversation with my dad because my dad loves me and supports me no matter what I do. But of course he would love nothing more than for me to have a really predictable, safe life so that he knows I'm okay. Yeah, totally. And it's uh, so understandable. All we want for the people we love is that they're safe and they're happy. And what we forget often is that we can't control that. We can't control what that looks like. We can't control what the safety and the happiness and the freedom looks like for the people in our lives. And so you, I'm sure so many people can relate to that feeling of almost like waking up one day and going, oh, fuck, this isn't my life is covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and what then, was the catalyst for for kind of being like, all right, this is well, you know, by the time you wake up and go, my life has passed me by, you think the sh- ship has sailed. But what we don't realize is that the universe is always, always working in our favor. Always, even when we think it's not, it is always answering the call that comes from deep inside us. Yeah. So I found myself um at 33, going through a very, and I'm skipping a bit here, but just going through a very public legal um, battle with a government organization. So Mm. I ended up taking a government agency to court and it was, it was unprecedented. So there was no legal precedent for it. And I was going to write a wrong that I felt had been done. So I was, I was defending myself and it was huge. The, the entire legal battle took five years. I was on the front page of the papers. I was on the six o'clock news every night, that night that the trial, you know, the week that the trial happened. And I, I was just certain I'm supposed to fight this. This is how the universe works, right? I'm, I'm 33. I work in corporate finance. I come from a very um, humbled family. Why the hell am I on the front page of the paper and on the six o'clock news, right? Bizarre. What I didn't realize is that that experience was setting me up. It was setting me up to be here now. So I get through that. I end up winning, by the way. Um, Thank you. (laughs) So I end up winning that case. As a result of that case, I come out, come out on the other end and I'm bankrupt. I'm bankrupt. Hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent on my defense. My life is in tatters. I won the case, but my life was in tatters. I'd ended up getting divorced while that had happened. I ended up having to sell my house. Um, I had a baby in the middle of my divorce. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Holy but, then I met a new, but then I met a new man and, like, so much had happened. So when I came out on the other end and I was then broke, emotionally exhausted, just had nothing left to give, I looked back on the five-year experience and I'd, I noticed something. I noticed that every time I reached a low in the experience, I would self-reflect. Um, so for me, it's, it's meditation. So I have a meditative practice. So I would become quiet and still with myself. And the minute I would do that, I would hear a whisper of some sort. And I didn't know where the whisper came from. I never questioned it. But I would hear a whisper and I would come out of my meditation and I would action the whisper. As I actioned the whisper, support would show up. And so when I came out 
of that five-year legal battle. And I looked back at my process and I realized, hang on, every time I heard a whisper and took an action, something showed up for me. Huh. I wonder if I could do that when there wasn't chaos happening. Mm. I wonder if I could just do that in life. I wonder if I could do that when it came to my dream. So I thought I'd give it a crack. So again, I go into a meditative practice and I sit and, you know, I use, sometimes I use the word God, sometimes I use the word um, universe. Mm -hmm. It's all just an energy to me. So I'm not attached to any label. And I sit and I ask the question, do I take the leap to pursue my dream? And I listened and I heard the words clear as day. Yes. I just heard it. Just like that. The very next day. So I know what comes next. After you hear the whisper, you take the action. Now I knew, I knew I wanted to move people with words. Um, I didn't know what that meant. So what does that look like? So when I, when I went into that fantasy, you know, the fantasy world, what do I see myself doing? What could it look like? Is, is there an idea that I really like? Is there a concept that I like? And talk show came through. Again, from where? Some space beyond me. So I sit back and I go, I've been in corporate finance for 10 years. I don't know a single person in the TV industry. How hell am I going to come up with a talk show? I don't know anyone. I had one girlfriend who... She's a bit of a networker. She worked in network marketing. She knows a lot of people, right? I knew one person like that, just one. It's all you need sometimes. (laughs) I called her up and I said, babe, can I come see you? I just want to talk to you about something. She goes, yep. So I go into her office. I tell her about my idea. I say, look, I've just come out of this really difficult thing. I'm done wasting time. That was bloody traumatic. I'm not going back to the way my life used to be. Uh, I'm too broke for it anyway. I'm, g- I'm going to use this opportunity, this space, the space I've been given in my life right now. I'm going to use that to pivot. Do you know anyone who could help me? She ended up connecting me with someone she knew who wasn't in TV. He was in PR. He couldn't help me. But he knew someone whose wife was in TV. So then he connects us to the wife, but she can't help me because she's front-facing camera, right? So she can't help me. But she knows a producer who's just moved from Sydney to Perth. This producer's worked on MasterChef Australia, done the castings for MAFs. This is a woman with a very impressive resume. She then connects me with that woman to get us on a Zoom call. I show up on the Zoom call just as I am now, just glasses on, hair all over the place, completely authentic. I pitch my idea. I've never pitched anything in my life. (laughs) I've never sold anything in my life. I pitch the idea to her over Zoom. She says, I love it. It's never been done before. I'm in. Oh, my God. There's so much gold in that story. Okay. Like that that's the formula. Get quiet. Ask the question. I was going to ask you so for me, I have had probably three experiences where I've heard that clear voice guidance, yes. right? Yeah. 
one time this is going to make you fucking crack up. One time it came through my car radio and you're going to be like, that's yeah. how it happens. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it happens. Through, yeah. through a song or. It wasn't even like legit. I was listening to a song and I had, because I quite often talk to my spirit guides while I'm driving. And I was having this yarn and this voice like completely different to the song I was listening to came through loud and clear, like gave me a fright. And <laughs> I I just like laughed out loud and was like, are you fucking serious? Like, this is hilarious. And then I just could like the rest of my day, I was just like, oh, my head was in the clouds. I was like buzzing. Yeah. Um, but so that's happened once. And then the other two times I've heard it very clearly in my left ear. Mm. And, but that's only three times. And from what you're saying, you have access to that when you are in your quiet time, when you're meditating. Mm. Have you ever, do you find it hard to distinct between your inner voice? Like your, because I do think they are one and the same sometimes, mm. depending on what's coming through. But do yeah. you find it hard to distinguish between your own inner voice and whatever that guidance is sometimes? So the short answer is yes and no. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's never that easy to. Yes, because on everybody's growth process through life, whenever there's hardship, that is the time when we are tasked to learn the most about ourselves. Yeah. Whatever that negative thing that's happening in your life at the moment, it is showing up to give you an opportunity to get to know your ego, to get to know your mind, to get mm-hmm. to know what it is that you do to sabotage yourself. I spent an extraordinary amount of time getting to know every facet. And, I, and I, I've just barely touched the surface, mm-hmm. but every facet of everything that I do to sabotage myself. I have worked with different personality profile types. I started researching astrology. You know, one of my friends said to me one day, you talk about your ego a lot. Well, yeah, because I need to get to know my ego. My ego will be the thing that destroys what I'm trying to create. You know, there are two forces in this universe. There is an ego and there is a divine. It exists in all things around us. If you look at If you look at a tree, a tree is always growing in an upwards direction. That is the divine. That is um, the force that wants it to grow, taking it up. But at the same time, happening at the same time, there is another force that's taking that tree all the way to its death. Every day it gets closer and closer to dying. That same force exists within us. There is a force that wants me to grow and there is a force that wants to destroy me. Mm -hmm. That is my ego. Mm -hmm. So I spent an extraordinary amount of time listening to the voice in my head that says to me, there's no way that you can achieve this thing. Who do you think you are? You're an an immigrant black girl from Africa trying to create a talk show, something that's never been done in Australia before. You don't know anyone. You have no money. What makes you think you're capable of it? And it gets trickier. The more you get to know it, the trickier it gets. So now when I I meet the producer, Now my ego goes, oh, wonderful. We found someone that can help us. I wonder if she'll hate the way you look. I wonder if she won't believe in you. I wonder if she won't like your style of presenting. It gets trickier. It doesn't just go away. And it's it's always there. Even now in this conversation, it's there. I can hear it. Yeah. So I know that voice extremely well. 
extremely well. So yes, I can distinguish between the two. One, this e- this egoic voice is frantic and busy and critical, but sneaky. The other voice, the one that comes from beyond me, is slow-paced, peaceful, content. And is it often the quieter voice for you? What a great question. It is the quieter voice for me. Yeah. Yeah. One is louder. I mean, I think it's probably different for everyone, but I find that, uh, I mean, obviously the time came came blaring through the radio, it was quite loud. (laughs) But other than those three times that I've had, I know that I have these intuitive guidance that comes through more often than not. It is so quiet compared to the you know, the inner critic, the ego, which is so loud and often on repeat saying different versions of the same bullshit. Whereas when these like intuitive nudges come through, it's like so quiet. And I think sometimes that's why it's hard to trust for some people. And Mm. for me, it was. Yeah. Oh, that is at the center. That is at the center of the nucleus when it comes to manifesting. Like if I hear that voice and I don't trust that it's come from the right place, nothing will happen. If I if I question, oh God, was that my ego? Well, <laughs> I'll be running around in circles. Yeah. And it's so I, I do think it's so complex. I mean, it's so simple, but there's so many complexities to it because of our humanness, right? Like because how do some one of the questions I have is like, how do I know that it's not just me? saying to myself like yes go after the talk show go after the the job that you want because I like want it so bad that I'm like yes this is the right thing for me right and that's part of the reason why I fell in love with human design because it gives you so many tools to help gain clarity over whether that's you trying to convince yourself that that's something that's good for you or whether that's actually your inner wisdom your higher self your guidance the universe pointing you in the right direction so the way that you describe it is just I think such a beautiful and concise way that, and and it to describe a really simple process that we yes. as humans make so fucking complicated. We absolutely do, and you know, for anybody who who watches this series, like we'll use you as an example. You at some point, Katie, would have been struck by how can I give back? How can I contribute? How can I use my gift of conversation? And uh, my knowledge of enlightenment to put out content and information into the world that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. At some point, you would have been struck with that, like a Mm -hmm. lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. And then you decided, do you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast. And so many people want to have podcasts. Let me tell you, so many people (laughs) want to have their own show. People, like, people want to have these things, but very few of them will do it. Why? What is the distinguishing factor between us and, say, other people? My theory is that we've been able to tap into purpose. When your personality, when Katie's personality meets her purpose, she gets a feeling in her body and a feeling in her gut, and her heart lights up, everything lights up. She's just created magic. That's exactly what I've done. My true, authentic personality self found my purpose. And my purpose is healing through conversation. And it gives me a feeling that nothing else gives me. 
nothing. And it's that feeling that really keeps you on the straight and narrow, right? Like even yeah. when you even when you get that beautiful communication coming through, it's that feeling that is almost pulling you. It's like yeah. the the affirmation yeah. that you need to be like, yes, go forth, because you yes. there's no way that you can't, right? When you feel that pull. I mean, life will give you lots of challenges to try and fucking throw some shit bombs in the way and throw you off course. And I mean, you know, you know this to be true. We don't know where we're going. Absolutely. We don't know what the next step is. Mm -mm. We have no clue. When I decided to create the naked word, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I still don't know. But the the beauty is you jump off the cliff first and you figure out how to open the parachute on the way down. Fucking A, preach, sister. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Oh, God, you know, because it's so true. It's so true. You, None of us, you, we like to think that we know where we're going. We like to think that we've got, like, some sort of grand fucking plan that it's, like, going to all work out this way. Like, sorry, no, you follow those nudges. You jump off the fucking cliff and hope to God that the, the shit yeah. comes out. Yeah. And even even when even when you crash, there was something to be learned in the crash. So now you climb back up and you do some introspection on the way up. And when you get to the top, you'll have some answers and you jump again. Have the audacity to jump. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my main message when I talk to people about the naked word. Have the audacity to believe that you are worthy of your biggest dream, of your greatest dreams. If you told me, Katie, that you wanted to be the number one podcaster in the world over and above, Joe Rogan and bloody the Jake Pauls and the Paul, what's their names? Paul Pauls, whatever their names are. If that's what you said you wanted to be, I'd be standing here applauding you, telling you, you could do it. Where do I invest? (laughs) The whole idea of just like knowing that you're taking aligned action. I think that's the main thing though, right? Like what I have seen a lot, especially I'd started another business recently and some of the people that I've kind of come into contact with through that, I've noticed this almost need for instant gratification when it comes to their manifestation process. And whether they call it their manifestation process or not is probably, you know, it might just be for them that they want something in life. And if it doesn't happen, like within a certain amount of time, like, oh, fuck, I need to give up. It's not working. Like, it's too hard. and I would love to hear your thoughts on that, actually, because for me, uh, my manifestation process for the major things in my life, the things that I'm most proud of, they are almost a lifetime's work. That's a lifetime of, that's a lifetime's worth of manifestation right there. And, you know, obviously I'm not finished, but uh, there is this cultural um, shift, I think, where instant gratification, instant dopamine hits are yes. kind of the expectation from a manifestation process. And yeah. I just don't think that that's helpful. I think, yeah, anyway, yeah. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. There's all this new age spirituality bullshit that says, you know, you can you can change your um, life in an instant, in a moment, if you just change your vibration or fucking, what it, you know, all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the truth is, and we'll use the naked word as an example, that took me from idea, from the day I went to go see my girlfriend to see if she knew someone, from that moment to actually releasing it, which was this year in April, that was a three-year process of developing, 
finding the cast, not knowing what I was going to do next, taking three months off, losing hope, getting my shit back together. Yes. Let's, let's keep going. Failing, losing people, paying money and losing money, falling down again, getting back up. That's, that's all part of the manifestation process. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I was able to stick with it was that central piece that I spoke about before, which was trust. I trusted the feeling I had when I was nine years old. I trusted the voice that said to me, yes, you are supposed to do this. It is in line with your purpose. Don't give up. Mm -hmm. I'm supporting you. The universe is supporting me. My ancestors are supporting me. I think where we lose our way is where we think everything's supposed to happen overnight. When the truth is, some of the best things are worth waiting for. There's a saying, there's a saying, Katie, a flowing stream can split a rock, not because it's powerful, but because it's persistent. That's what manifestation is. The flowing stream splits the rock because it's persistent, not because it's powerful. I love it. Small action daily that achieves the results, right? That's, you know, it's funny though, because I think Again, while the whole concept of trust sounds like, yeah, sweet, just, you know, trust, that's really fucking hard, right? It's because, so hard. <laughs> because we've got such a <laughs> lifetime of, you know, like honestly, most of us have gone through some form of trauma, yes. even whether it be huge, really awful, awful trauma or daily micro traumas. And because of that, that trust is like, it's almost like you get chipped away at the like, I can't, how can I trust? Because I did this before and this fucking happened and that fucking yeah. sucked. That was yeah. really shit. That was not a fun thing to go through. So how can I trust that if I put all my eggs in this basket or I do this, that, and the other, that it's going to turn out the way I want it to. And mm. I always say the Rolling Stones said it best. Like you can't yeah. always get what you want, but you will probably get what you need if you lean into it right and so what I always teach my clients when I'm working with them on the human design is like it's not for me to hand you over this like all these directions about how to work with your energetic blueprint and you to be look at me and go oh thank you Katie like I will 100% do that just because you've told me this is a thing that I should trust like no start working with it and watch the evidence build in your life watch it watch the positive things come up see what works maybe what I'm telling you won't work maybe there's a certain tweak that you need to do that's going to work better for you than it has based on what I know and that's how we build trust so when you actually took that leap when you threw yourself off the cliff and decided yes for your talk show were you in full trust Like, do you think having full trust is a prerequisite for a a successful manifestation process? (laughs) Believing in something, believing in something greater than yourself, believing that you're part of something, you're more than just a blip on a rock, you know, going around the sun. Believing that there's a force out there that wanted you to be here. There's a force out there that has your back, that believes in your ability to create. Believing that you're part of that force and that you're important to that force. And that no matter what you do and no matter what happens to you in life, that that force is there always, in all ways, to guide you. Even when your back is up against the wall, when the bills are piled up and the money is dried up and you're not sleeping and your eyes are bagging, 
and you, you know, and you're getting older and your titties are sagging, <laughs> even in those moments, that force is there giving you something, something. If you will just look, whether it is, like I had a moment this morning, I like to start my mornings, you know, quite peacefully. My daughter climbed into bed with me this morning and I, I had a moment where I was like, oh, I just want to be alone. Mind shift. And almost immediately, like it's, it's second nature to me now. My little girl is climbing into bed with me. She's nine years old. Mm. Like what a gift is that? And I, I got to freaking snuggle this morning. Why? Because I believe, I embody that the universe is always giving me opportunities to be grateful, to see opportunities to create with other creators, to give people joy. Like the look on my daughter's face this morning was priceless. I'm always being given those opportunities to give back, to be of purpose, to contribute, to love more, to have more joy. I embody that. I believe that. Why? Because I'm part of something greater than myself. It's so true. And when you think about the odds of you, Siam, you, not any other version of you, but you as you are being here, I think it's like one in something billion chance of you <laughs> actually being here and if that's not if that's not proof enough for every single human on the planet yeah. that they're here for a reason yes. I don't know what is because that shit is bananas like it is my, my mother and my my mother and my father were born into poverty in the middle of apartheid today at 37 years old I'm sitting on a podcast with Katie B in Perth, Australia, living my best life. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. Hey? And so your parents' journey and their manifestation process and them, yeah. you know, the whole thing is just like when yeah. you reverse in engineer your existence and yes. that is a beautiful way. I love that. I've never really thought about that as a way to stay connected to trust, but yeah. that is such a beautiful pearl of wisdom and I am going to definitely hold on to that. <laughs> Yeah, so insightful. Thank you. I am a culmination of everybody that came before me. I'm built on their backs, on my mother's back and my grandmother's back. And every woman who ever had to sacrifice anything in her life, I am the product of all of them. So I'm here to do that justice. I'm here to break those generational curses. I'm here to be of service and contribution to the world. I'm here to put my art and my creativity and my love and bring people healing and so now that you, the naked word is in its full form and yeah. fully up and running and you get to do your work, your express your purpose in this beautiful yeah. outlet, what does it feel like for you on a daily basis? Because, and the reason I ask is because I do think there's a misconception that when we get our, like when we, our manifestation comes to fruition, then we are like dancing rainbows, butterflies and lollipops day in, day out. Now, I from my experience, yes, like there is a lot of joy and incredible bliss that comes when you are expressing your purpose, living your purpose and reveling in the bliss of your manifestation. Having said that, I still find a lot of challenge when I'm living Mm -hmm. my purpose, right? So on a day-to-day basis, what does your, the naked word and living your purpose, what does that feel like? Um, manifestation is such a, a funny thing. Um, cause when you do get it, unless you know your ego really well, you'll get caught up in, okay, so I've done that. Now what, what's next? 
what's the next thing I can create or achieve or there's a part of my ego that will do that in a destructive way and there's a part of my divine that will do that in a beautiful way I know both those voices it's easy for me to distinguish but my on a day-to-day basis because of the way that I manifested this to come into fruition I've accumulated people just like me who love having these types of conversations so I do that literally all day long <laughs> and, and it's inspiring and it gives us hope and you know it's in those conversations I hear I hear ideas and and I'm in my heart space I'm I'm in my body I'm connected to my source when I'm having these conversations so I'm getting little little clues for season two and and ideas and I'm hearing I love when people argue as an example mm-hmm. um, uh, the comment section on one of our videos is in shambles at the moment <laughs> and I I just love it. I was talking to my producer about it this morning. Um, somebody made a comment about my skin color, you know, how that goes. And um, she's, she's quite a, a strong, strong woman. And so she was ready to get in those comments. But I was just like, I love this. I revel in this. I, I want to see the negative feedback. I want to see what needs healing. I, I want to bring that to season two and curate an episode around this. And let's have this difficult conversation so that people like this person might hear one thing that starts them on their journey. So like that's what my days look like now. They're inspired, but not in not in a, a really annoying, high energy, let's get out there and conquer the world sort of way. It's very purpose-driven. I give no energy to negativity ever. I don't engage with negative comments. If people have criticisms about the show, fantastic. Go create your own show. And then we'll have another conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, angry men will call me with their opinions because we talk about a lot of women's issues and unhealed men can be triggered by it. Great. So go create your own platform or whatever. And then, you know, I'll come be a guest on your show yeah. and talk about it. But I'm not entertaining this negative um, energy that you've got. So my days are very purpose driven. I make priority self care. With self care comes self awareness. I connect to my source. Sometimes multiple times a day. It depends on my day. But that's my life now. When I hear you talk about you get these like moments of inspiration and or, you know, the the experiences you have on your talk show and the people commenting kind of leading you to different gold nuggets that you're like, oh, yes, this is going to be perfect to talk about. (laughs) That to me sounds like an outer expression of being in like a perpetual state of flow or in alignment. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, and <clears throat> the way it shows up for me is when I'm working and I'm, things are just flowing from me when I'm content creating or when I'm, you know, thinking about or studying different ways that I can support my clients, learning new yeah. aspects of human design. It'll, it'll, I'll go for a certain amount of time and I'm like, yep, yeah, boom, this is awesome. And then I feel like all of a sudden I'll hit a brick wall and I start feeling really frustrated. I start feeling yeah. really like, what? Like I can't nine times out of 10, I need to go outside, right? So I go outside and as soon as I start moving my body, as soon as I start being in the fresh air, then downloads start coming, then inspiration starts coming. Then I start putting the puzzles together. All that learning that I was just doing starts like all the cogs start falling into place. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's like a pressure relief valve almost for me to go outside and start walking. Yeah, totally. And yeah. but to me, when you were explaining the way that that happens to you when you're actually on, you know, doing your talk show, when you're having mm-hmm. those conversations, that 
that's your flow state. That's your alignment. That's where absolutely through. Mm. Absolutely. And I don't profess to be the Dalai Lama. I'm not sat here in, <laughs> you know, sat in a flow state all day long. I'm mm. human. I'm human experience. Um, but you know, the choice I've made to put myself in that state of connection first in my life has changed everything. All, all those people who doubted my ability to bring this to fruition have left. They've left my life by natural attrition, not even because I told them to bugger off. Literally, they just found themselves falling away. And I, and I attracted people who believe in me mm-hmm. and people who will hold me accountable. People who will say, hey, I heard that thing you said. Are you sure that didn't come from your ego? I think you need to introspect. And I'll sit back and go, oh, shit, did I? <laughs> Okay, great. Thank you for holding me accountable. Thank you for letting me know that. Those are the kind of people I want to be around. That sounds like uh-huh. my, hus- my husband on a daily basis. Like, <laughs> hey, just think about what you said. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing as well, Katie, is that a lesser talked about part of manifestation is that we get caught up whilst we're trying to manifest in the opinions of other people. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the big Distract, yeah. distractors yeah so if did you- i had listened to people who would say this is insanity they go i think it's a good idea but i don't think you know i don't think there's a market for it well we've just had a million impressions on social media so clearly there's a market for it. if i had listened to them it would have never happened even when i fell down and i failed i failed miserably through this project over the last three years there, there were people who were part of the project, who left, and I just felt like everything's going to fall apart. This is all because of me. I'm the leader of this. And if I can't keep people on the project, then what does that say about me? Okay, that person left because of their own choice. That had nothing to do with me. But I was so attached to what that person meant for the show that as soon as they left, my certainty left with them, right? And then what's everybody thinking about me now, looking at me, judging me? making an assessment of me as a leader. And now I feel even worse than I did before. Those are the mistakes that I made along the way. Always considering somebody else's opinion about what I'm doing. The Mm. second I let that go, and it's a practice. To let it go is a practice. Totally, yeah. A huge practice Uh because it takes so much awareness and it takes so much awareness and kindness to yourself because you kind of got to go from like beating the shit out of yourself to like, well, wait a minute. Is this true? Is this the story that I'm telling myself right yeah. now? Do I know that to be true? Oh, yeah. what if it what if it isn't true? Oh, yeah. and then you start flipping the script, right? And then you start yeah. welcoming in new stories. What if this is just a new opportunity for me to find someone that's more yes. in alignment? What if this is just the doorway to this, that, and the other? So, but that takes awareness and it takes a lot of kindness, which to mm. those two things, as you say, are a full speed practice. Holy smokes, what a ride. Oh my goodness. I loved every minute yarning with CM. I especially loved hearing how she used self-reflection and reverse engineering to guide her manifestation process and support her in continuing to show up each and every day, overcoming challenges and setbacks, and how she uses her body wisdom and connection to source to continue to boldly step into her purpose, showing up every day, messily but with full trust that she is supported you can find cm on the naked word on youtube 
at the naked word. You can also find her on Instagram at the underscore naked word and on Facebook, the naked word. I'll link all those in the show notes. Next week, we're taking a short break from the manifestation series so I can bring you the September energy report. Tune in to hear what September has in store for you energetically based on the solar transit through your human design chart. Until then, take care, keep milking the shit out of life, and I will catch you in the next episode.